Well, good morning again, and again, welcome to Liberty Church Online, and we want to welcome you again to our online family. We are a body of believers, and we are excited to be coming to you today, really stepping into your home, into your family, uh, and into that private place with you and God, and uh, what an honor it is today uh, to open the Word of the Lord together and just to break His bread, as they used to say, break bread together by opening the Word of God. And so this morning, uh, I want to share with you a message simply entitled, Choose Life. Uh, and last Sunday, as uh, so many different things were happening over the last couple weeks as the coronavirus uh, has continued to creep into our world, into our nation, and now we have a, a pandemic of all these things that are happening, I, I just want to encourage you in something today. I want to encourage you that we serve the God of hope. And I want to encourage you in something today. We can choose life. And today that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how do we choose life in the midst of crisis? How do we grab hold of the things that God has for us in the midst of chaos and confusion? And how do we continue to thrive in this world that we're living in today? And how do we bring hope to a world that is around us? Because I believe that our job as the church is not just to experience the protection and provision of God, but to minister the hope of God to a world that desperately needs to know Him. And I believe that today, through the Word of the Lord, God's going to teach us and show us how we can choose life in the midst of every circumstance and in the midst of every situation that we would find ourselves in. So Deuteronomy chapter 30, God makes this statement. He's speaking to the nation of Israel, and this is what He says. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you have made. Oh, that you would choose life. Look what he said. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. And you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying Him, and committing yourself firmly to Him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so God made this amazing declaration of the nation of Israel. He said, Behold, I set before you this day life and death, blessing and curses. And then he says, Choose life. I love God. I love the fact that God not only gives us a choice, but he tells us which choice we need to make as we pursue him and the plan that he has for us. And then in verse 20, God gives us even a greater explanation on how we choose life. Look what he says. And you can make this choice. You can choose life. Look what he says. By loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourselves firmly to Him, this is the key. Look what he says, this is the key to life. So look at that first point on our outline together today. Life and death is a choice that we make, right? Life and death is a choice that we make. And I want you to understand today that you have an opportunity today because the choices you make today determine the outcome of your tomorrow. The choices that you make today will determine the outcome of your life tomorrow. And we have a choice. And here's the good news of the gospel. God has given us a choice. God has given us an opportunity to choose life or to choose death. And it's not the government's choice. It's not your employer's choice. It is our choice. Now, I understand that the government's decision and your employer's decisions have dramatic impact and influence on our lives. But at the end of the day, your life and your death will come down to one thing. What did you choose? 
What did you choose to do with the circumstances and the situations that were given to you? What did you choose to do in the midst of the crisis and the challenges that have confronted not only us as a nation, but have confronted you as a person? So the choices we make today determine the outcome that we will experience tomorrow. So life and death is a choice, right? We get to choose whether we live or whether we die. Now, I heard a statement years ago, and a gentleman made this statement. He said, I want to live until I die. I want to live until I die. And the truth is, we've all known people that died before they died. They stopped living. They stopped giving. They stopped loving. They stopped serving. They stopped creating. They stopped innovating. They stopped maturing. They stopped becoming. They stopped living before they died. They died before they died. And I want to encourage you in something today. I want to encourage you, let's live until we die. Let's live every day until we die. And how do we do that? We do that simply by choosing life on a daily basis. And then God tells us how. Look at the rest of that first statement. So life and death is a choice we make, and we choose life by choosing to love God and obey Him. We choose life by choosing to love God and obey Him. I want you to recognize something. I want you to recognize that the key to choosing life is a loving relationship with God. Jesus made an amazing statement in the Gospels. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Because Jesus understood something. Jesus understood that the divine motivator of obedience is love. We obey God not because we fear Him. We obey God because we love Him. And if we love Him, we obey Him. And if we love Him, we want to please Him. And if we love Him, we will serve Him. And if we love Him, we will follow Him. And so all of a sudden, God gives us this key to life, this key to making life-giving choices and decisions. And here's what it is, a loving, life-giving relationship with God. We made a statement earlier as we opened uh, this online broadcast. We simply said this, that Christianity is not a ritual, right? We don't do the things we do out of a ritual of religion. We do the things we do because we have a life-giving relationship with God. And the key to choosing life consistently and continually is that relationship with God. And if you're here today and you're listening to me online and you recognize, I don't have that. I don't have a life-giving relationship with God. All I know is ritual and no relationship. I want to encourage you in something today. Today is the day of salvation. And the Bible says that today, by faith in Jesus Christ, you and I can be saved. We can be saved not only from a devil's hell. We can be saved and not only have eternal life in heaven, but we can be saved and literally brought into a life-giving relationship with God. And before we close this broadcast today, you're going to have an opportunity, every person watching, to make that decision so you and I can live a life of a life-giving relationship with God. Because choosing life and choosing to love God is the key to our lives. And so all of a sudden we begin to recognize life and death is a choice. And the key to choosing life consistently and continually is loving God and obeying Him because we have a real relationship with Him. Now, I want you to look at our second point today because this is a critical point that I want us to talk about. The choices that we make in crisis are usually the choices that make us or break us. The choices that we make in crisis are usually the choices that make us or break us. Why? Because crisis choices many times have immediate and lasting repercussions. See, right now we are in a crisis as a nation. 
and we're confronted with things that we've never been confronted with before. We've got all kinds of house quarantines and people are having to stay at home and businesses are working from home and all kinds of businesses have shut down and there's economic and there's relational and there's national repercussions that are happening. And the reality is, is how we make choices in the middle of crisis is very significant because it is those crisis choices that we make that many times have an immediate and a lasting repercussion. All of us can probably think about a time when we make a decision in a moment of crisis and we made the wrong decision. As a matter of fact, let me go so far as to say this. I believe that one of the strategies of the enemy, one of the strategies of the enemy is to use the pressure of crisis to cause us to make what I want to call deadly decisions. We can make deadly decisions instead of life-giving decisions if we allow the pressure of crisis to cause us to begin to make choices and decisions that bring death instead of choices and decisions that bring life. Just a real practical application, Kelly and I early on in our marriage made a financial decision that brought death. And not only did it bring immediate repercussions, but it brought lasting repercussions as we ended up purchasing something we really couldn't afford, purchasing something we really didn't, we really knew we didn't need to purchase at that time. But because of the pressure of a good salesman, because of the pressure of our own lusts and our own desires to have something that we couldn't afford to have, we had immediate repercussions. We were immediately put in financial stress, and then there was lasting repercussions because we made a deadly decision that was not led by the Lord, it was not life-giving, it was destructive, and that decision lasted literally for years as we had to dig ourselves out of a financial hole that we had put ourselves in. Right now, we are a nation in crisis, and there's pressure. There's the pressure to protect your family. There's the pressure to protect yourself. There's the pressure of the unknown. There's the pressure of financial weight and financial worry because of the business and the economy and all the things that are happening in the world around us. And I want to encourage you in something today. We can choose life. In the midst of death, we can choose life. In the midst of crisis, we can choose life. In the midst of uncertainty, we can choose life. And I want to encourage you, do not allow the strategy of the enemy to take crisis choices and use them to make you, cause you to make deadly decisions that rob you of the life that God has for you. So I want to share with you today four choices. Four choices I believe that we can make in the midst of crisis. Four choices we can make consistently and continually in our daily lives that will help us choose life. And let me just say this again. The more consistently we choose life by choosing that loving relationship with God, the more consistently we will thrive and flourish and prosper in the things that God has for us. Amen? So let's look at that first choice. So the first choice is simply this, we have to choose faith over fear. We have to choose faith over fear. And I want you to just break that down for just a second because faith draws us near, but fear draws back. Faith believes and fear blames. Let me look at a couple of scriptures with you this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, I hope you know this scripture. If you haven't memorized it, you ought to memorize it. You ought to put it to heart. You ought to put it on your refrigerator, put it on your mirror, put it in your car. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. Let's talk about that for a second. God has not given us a spirit of fear. So what Paul tells us is that there is a spirit of fear. There is a demonic oppression called fear that wants to come against your life. And there is a spirit of fear that manipulates and torments the hearts and lives of people. And right now, we, there, is, there is a 
pandemic, they say, of the coronavirus. But there is an epidemic of fear. Right, right now, one of the greatest challenges is not how do we fight off the coronavirus. One of the greatest challenges is how do we navigate through the fear that is gripping the hearts of people. Because fear, the Bible says, has torment. And wherever there is fear, there is torment. And so many people are living in a place of emotional and mental torment because they're tormented by a spirit of fear. So we recognize, number one, God has not given us a spirit of fear. And I just want to do something right now. I just want to look out there at everybody watching online, and I just want to say in the name of Jesus, I command the spirit of fear and torment to leave you now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I command the spirit of fear and torment to leave you now. And I want you just to join me right now. If you're battling with fear, if you're battling with uncertainty, if you're battling being overcome in your mind and tormented by all the what ifs of what might happen in the unknown circumstances of our life, I want to encourage you to do something. Join with me right now, and let's just say it together. I command the spirit of fear and torment to leave me now. Why? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. And if you're here today and you're born again and you're a child of God, if you're listening to me online and you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, God has not given you a spirit of fear. So let's shake loose from that spirit of fear. Let's take authority over the work of the enemy and let's begin to press into a place of faith and confidence in God that gives us the courage and the ability to not only live our lives, but to lead other people to the hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. So the Bible says God has not given us a spirit of fear, but He's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. Let me just encourage you in this. You have a spirit of power. You have power and authority over the enemy. You are not a victim. You are a victor. You are more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who has loved you. And I want to encourage you in that realization. You have been given a spirit of power. You have power and you have authority over the enemy. I want to, I want to stir up right now the gift of God on the inside of you. I want to stir up that gift of power. And I want you to rise up right now in faith and recognize I am more than a conqueror. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me, and I am well able to overcome. I will not only endure, but I will overcome because the greater one lives inside of me. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. The Bible says perfect love cast out fear. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad or poured out by the Holy Spirit into our hearts. We have been given a spirit of love, and it is the love of God that eradicates fear. It is the love of God that fuels our hearts. The Bible says faith worketh through love. Faith worketh through love. Love becomes the fuel that feeds our faith, that enables our faith to work because it is the love of God that eradicates fear. And it is the love of God that enables us and emboldens our hearts to step up and love others with the love of God. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. I want to just declare to you today that you have a sound mind. The Bible says you and I, if we've been born again, we have received the spirit of Christ, and we have the mind of Christ that we might know the things that God has prepared for us. We have the mind of Christ that we might know the will of God, that we might know the plan of God, that we might know the purpose of God, that we might do the things that God would have us to do. So I want to encourage you today. We've got to choose faith over fear. Why? Because we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I want you to look at two other scriptures with me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and Hebrews chapter 10, 38 and 39. Look what Hebrews 11 says. It says, but without faith, 
it is impossible to please him, speaking of God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. I believe the elementary basic tenet of faith is that faith compels us to come to God. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Faith draws us near to the heart of God. Faith draws us near to an intimate relationship with Jesus. When you choose faith over fear, faith draws you near to the heart of God. Faith draws you closer to that intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Why? Because without faith it's impossible to please God because they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now look at Hebrews 10. Verse 38 and 39, the Bible says, Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition. That word literally means destruction. But we are of those who believe to the saving of the soul. See, how do I know if I'm in faith or fear? Faith draws near and fear draws back. Fear steps away. Fear pulls back. And I want to just encourage you in something. If you have found yourself over the last few weeks starting to draw back, starting to question God, starting to wonder how, how you could serve God in the midst of these troubling circumstances and situations, I want to encourage you, rebuke the spirit of fear. Don't give in to fear. Don't choose fear. Choose faith over fear. Why? Because faith draws you near. We've all seen people go through similar circumstances. We've all seen people go through severe loss and severe setback and financial loss. And we've seen people that lost, seemingly lost everything, go through the greatest trials and tribulations of their life. And we've seen people go through that and come out on the other side closer to God, more excited about God, more passionate about God, and closer to Him than they've ever been in their life. And then you flip the coin and we've seen other people go through the exact same circumstances and come out cursing God and denying God and shaking their fists in anger toward God. Why? Because one chose faith and the other chose fear. Faith draws us near to the heart of God. Fear causes us to draw back, the Bible says, to destruction. And the second thing I want you to see, how do I know if I'm in faith or if I'm in fear? Well, the Bible teaches us that faith believes, but fear blames. One of the greatest indicators that I'm choosing faith over fear is that faith believes. Faith believes that in the midst of uncertainty, God is certain. That in the midst of chaos, there is a God of peace. Faith believes that if God is for us, no man can be against us. Faith believes that God is able to not only save us, but God is able to keep us even from the coronavirus. Faith believes that God is our healer, God is our deliverer, God is our redeemer, and God is our rescuer. That God is the source of every good and every perfect gift. Faith believes that in the midst of chaos and confusion and national crisis, there is a steadfast hope that sustains us and keeps us, and His name is Jesus. But fear blames. Fear blames God, fear blames others, fear blames circumstances, fear blames situations. And if you just listen to social media and if you just watch the news, there's a lot of faith and there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of people that are believing God in the midst of crisis, and there are a lot of people that are blaming God and blaming others for the chaos and confusion that's happening around us. One of the greatest ways to know whether you're choosing faith over fear is are you believing God for the breakthrough, or are you blaming others for the struggle? Because faith believes and fear blames. So we've got to choose faith. We've got to choose to draw near, and we've got to choose to believe that God is good even when life is uncertain. The second choice we have to make is we have to choose prayer over panic. 
We have to choose prayer over panic. Think about it like this. Prayer connects us to the peace of God, the provision of God, and the protection of God. Panic disconnects, distorts, and disrupts every aspect of our life. Think about panic. Panic disconnects, distorts, and disrupts every aspect of our life. When you think about what happens when a person panics, when they panic, they run. When they panic, they are, they are in the wind, right? That fight or flight scenario happens, and all of a sudden panic sets in, and they fly. They take off. And guess what happens when you panic? When you panic, you disconnect from the peace of God. You disconnect from the joy of the Lord. You disconnect from that place of provision and that place of grace where God wants you to live. The Bible says God will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed or set on Him. And when you panic, you disconnect from that peace and you disconnect from that joy that God gives that surpasses all wisdom and all understanding. Panic not only disconnects us, but panic distorts us. Let me say it like this. If you're panicking, you're not thinking clearly. If you're panicking, you're not thinking clearly. Let me say it again. If you're panicking, you're not thinking clearly. Why? Because panic distorts your thoughts. And it is almost impossible for you to make wise choices. It is almost impossible for you to choose life when you're in panic mode. Because when you're in panic mode, your thoughts are distorted by the overwhelming emotions that panic brings with it. And then last but not least, panic not only disconnects, not only distorts, but panic disrupts every area of our life. Because when you're disconnected from the peace of God, and you're distorted in the thought process that's going on in your mind, all of a sudden, it disrupts every area of your life. It disrupts your relationships, it disrupts your finances, it disrupts your emotional, your mental, and your spiritual peace. And everything about your, your life begins to go into a spiral, a, a downward spiral into destruction. Why? Because you're panicking. So what's the option? we got to choose prayer over panic. Why? Because prayer connects us. Prayer connects us to the peace of God. Prayer connects us to the provision of God. And prayer connects us to the protection of God. Look what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Don't worry. Don't panic. Don't worry about anything. Don't panic over anything, but pray about everything. Don't worry about the coronavirus. Pray about it. Don't worry about your children. Pray about them. Don't worry about your job. Pray about it. Don't worry about your finances. Pray about it. Don't worry about food or even toilet paper. Pray about it. Come on, somebody. Don't worry. Don't panic. Pray. Don't panic pray. Don't panic. Pray. And then Paul does something. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And then he, then he breaks down what that prayer really looks like. He tells us there's two specific ingredients in prayer right here. Two ways we overcome panic with prayer. Number one, we tell God what we need. Look what he says. Just tell God what you need. What do you need? Do you need food? Do you need clothing? Do you need finances? Do you need toilet paper? What do you need right now in this season of your life? What do you need? Just tell God what you need. And then he says something else. He says, and thank Him for what He's already done. This is huge because a vital part of prayer is not just telling God what we need, but thanking Him for what He's already done. Why? Because when I begin to thank God for what He has done, it releases faith for what He's going to do, and it gives me confidence for where I'm at today. And right now, many of you are in panic mode. 
And you need to shift from panic to prayer. You need to start telling God what you need, and you need to start thanking God for what He's already done, because guess what? He has done some amazing things. This is not the first crisis God has brought you through. Yes, maybe this is the first coronavirus you've ever faced. Maybe, yes, this is the first shutdown that we've ever seen in our nation that has affected us the way this has affected us. But this is not the first problem. This is not the first trial. This is not the first crisis. This is not the first time you came to the end of yourself and you thought there was no way out. And guess what? God showed up, God showed out, and God moved on your behalf. And you're still here today. Why? Because you refused to panic and you chose to pray. So today I want to, I want to encourage you, we got to choose prayer over panic. Look at that next point. Not only do we need to choose faith over fear and choose prayer over panic, but we need to choose wisdom over worry. We need to choose wisdom over worry. Why? Because wisdom gives life. But worry sucks the life out of our lives. Wisdom gives life. I love what Proverbs 9-11 says. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. Now let's flip the coin for just a second because what does worry do? Worry doesn't multiply your days and add years to your life. Worry sucks the life out of your life. See, the reality is right now, if you're worried, if you're consumed with fear and worry and anxiety, guess what? You're missing out on what you do have. You can't enjoy the meal you have today because you're thinking about the one you're going to have tomorrow. You can't enjoy the family that's around you today because you're worried about what might happen tomorrow. And the reality is, is that worry sucks the life out of you. It keeps you from being a good parent, a good spouse, a good child, a good friend, a good person. It robs you of the ability to be an effective Christian in a world filled with darkness where we need some people to shine the light of Christ. Worry sucks the life out of your life, and it keeps you from thriving and growing and persevering. But wisdom adds life. Wisdom multiplies your days and adds years to your life. Look what else it says in Proverbs 4. It says, get wisdom and get understanding. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom in all of your getting. Get understanding. I want to give you just a simple definition of what it really means to get wisdom. We need to get wisdom. And we need to choose wisdom over worry. So how do I choose wisdom over worry? Number one, I need to be educated and informed. We can't stick our head in the sand and ignore what's happening around us. We can't pretend it doesn't exist. We are facing a national crisis right now. And we are confronted with issues and challenges and circumstances that most of us have never faced before. So we can't hide our heads in the sand. We can't pretend that it does not exist. Wisdom does not deny reality. Wisdom educates and informs itself. But it doesn't stop there. Because we need more than education and information. You know what we need? We need revelation. And I want to encourage you today. How do I choose wisdom over worry? This is how you do it. You stay educated and informed. And then you take your education and information and you submit it to the revelation of God. You've got to submit it. Because if you don't submit the education and information that the world is giving us, which is good information, we've got some really smart people. How many of y'all are thankful for those smart people? I'm really thankful for the people that are working around the clock right now to help come up with a vaccine to fight this disease. I'm really thankful for our leaders, our president, and those that are in Congress, and those that are literally around the world right now trying to bring resolution to this problem that's facing our nation. I'm thankful for them. I'm thankful that they're educated, that they're informed, that they're, they're smart people. 
And so the way that we choose wisdom over worry is we educate and inform ourselves, but then we take that education and information that we get from the world and we submit it to the revelation of God. Because if I ever allow the information of the world to trump the revelation of God, I'll live in fear. But if I will allow the information of the world to be submitted to the revelation of God, I can then make wise choices and decisions based on the right information and based on the revelation of who God is and what God says about my life and and His plan for our world. And I can then make wise choices and wise decisions that will do what? It will give life, it will multiply my days, and it will add years to my life. I want to encourage you, let's be wise. Let's choose wisdom over worry. Let's not live in anxiety. Let's not stick our heads in the sand. Let's not be tormented by the what-if circumstances and situations of life. Let's be informed and educated. And let's take the information that we're getting from the world and submit it to the revelation of who God is and what He says in His Word. And let's make wise, educated decisions based on the revelation of God trumping over the information of the world so we can live a life that God would cause us to live. Because guess what happens? When you prosper and flourish in the midst of chaos and confusion, you become a light in the darkness that helps other people come to know Jesus Christ. And isn't that why we exist? Isn't that why we exist, church, to be a beacon of hope in a world of darkness? So let's look at our last point. I want you to see this. So not only do we choose faith over fear, we choose prayer over panic, we choose wisdom over worry, and last but not least, I want you to see this, we we choose service over selfishness. We choose service over selfishness. Why? Because selfishness multiplies the crisis, but service minimizes the crisis because it ministers to the people that are in crisis. Philippians chapter 2, 3 through 5 says this, don't be selfish. We might ought to post that on our hands before we walk in Walmart or the grocery store. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. Look what it says. And don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others. Take an interest in others. Think about other people. Don't be selfish. Think about other people. And then look what he says. He kind of sums it up here. And he says, and you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. What was the attitude of Christ? Well, if you read the rest of that chapter, you find out that Christ, who was God, became man, humbled himself, the Bible says, to death and to become obedient under the death of the cross. He became a curse that we might be blessed. And Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. And then Jesus made this amazing statement. He said, the greatest is the servant of all. So I want to challenge you to do something today. I want to challenge you to choose faith over fear. I want to challenge you to choose prayer over panic. I want to challenge you to choose wisdom over worry. And I want to challenge you to to choose service over selfishness. Why? Selfishness multiplies the crisis. The reality is we live in a world today, right now, we don't have a food shortage and we don't have a toilet paper shortage. We have a supply problem. And the supply problem we have is they can't put enough food and enough toilet paper on the shelves to supply the need. And it's not because there's not enough food, and it's not because there's not enough toilet paper. It's because we went into selfish mode and began to hoard for ourselves, and we forgot about everybody else. How many of you understand that every family wants to feed their family? That every mom wants to take care of her kids? That every husband wants to provide for his wife and those that look to him? 
And the reality is, is if we want to shine as a light in the darkness, we've got to choose service over selfishness. That doesn't mean we don't take care of our family. That doesn't mean we don't plan ahead and prepare for what might be coming. But it simply means this. It means we can't live out of a self-serving mentality. We've got to live out of a service mentality that says, you know what, I'm going to take care of my family, but I'm not going to be so selfish that I don't realize there are other people trying to take care of their families, and I want to serve them. Because when we serve people in the midst of crisis, guess what happens? We minimize the crisis. When we serve people in the midst of crisis, we minimize the crisis. And here's why. Because we start ministering to people in crisis. And when you start ministering to people that are in crisis, guess what happens? They start choosing faith over fear. They start choosing prayer over panic. They start choosing wisdom over worry. And they start choosing service over selfishness. There's something powerful that happens. I want you to hear me, and I'm going to close with this. There's something powerful that happens when we stop focusing just on our needs and we start focusing on how we can meet the needs of others. I'm just going to tell you, this past week as we met together with our staff and our leadership and we began to talk through what was going on and how are we going to respond, after we addressed the immediate needs that were facing us, this is what we ultimately hung our hats on. We said, now what are we going to do to serve our community? What are we going to do to serve our people and serve our community? And how can we help the people that are around us? We don't want to help for the sake of helping. We want to help because we love God and we love people. And when you choose service over selfishness, all of a sudden, it changes the way you deal with crisis. And it minimizes the crisis. And it brings other people to a place of faith where they too can begin to serve others and make a difference. And so I want to encourage you in something today. I want to encourage you to choose life. God said, behold, I set before you this day life and death, blessings and curses, therefore choose life. And at the very beginning of this message, I made this statement from the Word of God in Deuteronomy 30. God said this. He said, loving God and obeying Him is the key to life. And if you're here today and you don't have a life-giving, loving relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, I want to lead you in a simple prayer right now. Because today you don't have to panic. You can pray. Because there's a God in heaven who loves you. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the penalty for your sin and to purchase your life so that you could live for him. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 that if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. That if we believe that Christ died and rose again on the third day, that he paid the penalty for our sin, and that if we would trust him and confess him as Lord and Savior of our lives, we could be saved. So if you're watching me today, and I don't care where you're at, what place you're in, I don't care if you're alone or by yourself, if you're here today and you've never entered into the life of God that comes through a loving relationship with himself through Jesus, and you're here today and you say, you know what, Pastor Keith, I believe. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I want to entrust him to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to give him my life because he paid for my sins. If that's you, I want to pray this prayer all over the nations today. Let's just pray this prayer together. Let's say it out loud right where you're at. Dear Heavenly Father, I believe. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he rose again on the third day. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins because I confess I'm a sinner. And I ask Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. I receive the gift of eternal life. And I receive the gift of life that comes through knowing you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family.
If you would, please click on one of those links. Let us know you prayed that prayer today. Let us know you trusted Jesus. We'd love to send you a Bible study. We'd love to send you some information just to get you started to help you take that next step. And I want to encourage everybody watching today. We implemented something just this past week called Everyday Sunday. And every day at 9.30 a.m., we're, we're releasing just a word of encouragement. We want to challenge you to be the church. And we want to encourage you in the midst of crisis to choose life and choose love. And we want to help you do that. So Everyday Sunday is a five to ten minute video presentation just sharing the Word of God and praying and encouraging you. So we want to challenge you to tune in and be a part of that. Stay connected. I want to just let you know the best is yet to come. In the middle of crisis, God creates unusual opportunities for His glory to come. And I believe today that His glory is coming. So Father, I pray Your blessing and Your anointing over every person watching today. I pray for the cure and the remedy, Father, to this virus and this disease. I ask you for wisdom and knowledge to be poured out upon those that are researching and those that are developing the remedies that we need. And Father, we ask you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would eradicate this disease. Father, I curse the coronavirus. As Jesus cursed the fig tree and it withered and died from its roots, I curse the coronavirus. And I declare life and blessing, health and healing through the blood of Jesus Christ our Lord. And we ask it all today in Jesus' name. Amen.